0: Hello and welcome to The Kicker, the weekly podcast about journalism from the Columbia Journalism Review. I'm Kyle Pope, editor and publisher of CJR. Starting this week, we're going to do something a little bit different with The Kicker. Instead of exploring two or three topics in the news, we're going instead to go deep, probing a single topic in a longer and hopefully meatier conversation. I'll be your host and I look forward to your thoughts as we experiment here. So let's get started. This week, we're going to talk about Brazil and the presidential election there, which is right in the thick of it. Um, We're going to look at the media response to it. If my voice sounds a little fuzzy, it's because I'm jet lagged. This morning, I arrived back from New York from a red-eye flight from Sao Paulo, where where I spent the last several days talking to folks about journalism and the upcoming presidential election. And for those of us who were deep into Trump in 2016, you really get a sense of kind of news PTSD. They're dealing with a lot of the same issues that we have addressed here. There's a front runner who's a conservative. We'll talk more about him later. But a lot of the issues that reporters are sort of grappling with in Brazil are issues that we in the US thought through and worked through and fought over in 2016 and 2017. And all of this is coming in this context of, of a deteriorating climate for reporters around the world, raising the question of whether Donald Trump Has laid the groundwork for Bolsonaro and others so let's talk about it to help me think through all this I'm joined by Sarah Maslin the Brazil correspondent for The Economist welcome Sarah
1: hi Kyle thanks for having me
0: sure Um, people who are listening don't know this but through the magic of long-distance air travel um, Sarah and I spent yesterday morning having a very lovely breakfast in Sao Paulo You're still there, I'm now back in New York in a um, studio, which is a sort of strange thing.
1: Indeed, and um, it feels like a lot has happened even, uh, even since our conversation a day ago. So fill me in. Well, let's see. Um, I mean, I guess the biggest kind of story that that broke, I think, um, kind of overnight is there was a story in in Folia de Sao Paulo about uh, the Bolsonaro uh, campaign or, um, or, or, you know, maybe sort of supporters of Bolsonaro. It's not really clear paying um, companies to send out. Um, masses of, of, um, of WhatsApp messages with um, various bits of sort of denigrating information about his rival candidate. And uh, apparently this is, you know, possibly a campaign finance violation. It's not clear what sort of the effects will be, um, but it's another sort of wrinkle in a campaign that's been Kind of full of um you know of, of sort of social media being used in in sort of new and um kind of difficult ways for us journalists to understand
0: so let's back up a little bit for uh, for an audience that may not have been following every wrinkle of this um tell us a little bit you know one of my observations was that this this whole presidential campaign has has like very strong echoes of the 2016 race in the U.S.
1: They're bringing drugs, they're bringing crime, they're rapists, and some, I assume, are good people.
0: So paint for us a picture of who Bolsonaro is, why people are making these kind of Trump comparisons.
1: It's one of these things where it's it's hard to come in as a foreign journalist, and especially an American journalist, and not uh, sort of see it through that lens and see him as part of this kind of um, right-wing populist trend that's swept the nation. Um, and so, I mean, he's painted himself as, as an outsider, um, promised to clean up politics. He's got um, pretty kind of uh, reactionary um, rhetoric when it comes to kind of social issues. Uh, those are the things that, that make him kind of very similar Trump, but on the other hand, yeah. And by the way, um, just
0: just to give people a sense of what we're talking about here, he said he has said, for instance, that he wouldn't deign to rape a particular congresswoman because she was ugly. Uh, He said that he would rather have a son who was dead than one who was gay. Um, um, he's denigrated, you know, poor people and people of color. So. This is sort of. Well, this is one of the reasons why he's such a such a lightning rod, right?
1: Absolutely right. That's what part of what makes him such a um, a polarizing figure. Uh, you he's know, sort of offensive.
0: <laughs> Not sort of. He is offensive.
1: offensive. Extremely offensive.
0: So the Economist wrote this cover package that was really tough um, Bolsonaro, um, and you know this sort of gets to the question of how has he, um, how has he, and how has. His support base sort of responded to the press. What was the response that you got to the piece?
1: Well, uh, it was it was a response that I haven't experienced before. Um, reporting in Latin America, uh, I, I was in sort of Central America before coming here, and for the most part, you know, Latin America seems kind of out of, of the sphere of of uh, controversy and and. Focus When it comes to the international media and, and in Central America, you know, not a lot of people in the country that I was writing about read um, the stories that I was writing. That's not at all true in Brazil. Uh, interestingly, the Economist and, um, you know, certainly the New York Times and, and the Financial Times and the Wall Street Journal, all of these um, papers are really kind of read and poured over here by um, by the elite and by kind of Brazilian journalists. So, I mean, the sort of two things that happened is one that, that were surprising to me is one, um, our our coverage became a story in itself mm-hmm. in the in the Brazilian media. You know, the Economist says Bolsonaro is a is a threat, mm-hmm. um, and then the other thing that happened was just a, you know kind of extreme um, pushback from Bolsonaro's supporters who. Um, we've kind of known for for a year now are, are really very active on social media. And that's partly why his campaign has had success is that they've been able to capitalize on that. Um, but, yeah, I, I just went off Twitter for a couple weeks.
0: So they went after you.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Um,
0: but, you know, that's fascinating to me because here, here you are, somebody who's reported all over Latin America, um, you know, reporting on some pretty um, tough characters and. Um, in a lot of other countries, and and yet the the blowback that you got in Brazil for this Bolsonaro piece was was something you described as something you hadn't seen before.
1: Yeah, right. And I think that I mean I think that is um, you know partly because of of the platform because it was a cover story um, and. Uh, because of the critical take, I mean, I think it's also something that's unique about Brazil. Is that Brazil is sort of the second largest Facebook community in the world. Um, Brazilians are extremely active on the internet and on uh, social media. So this, you know, the, this kind of, um, you know, Twitter and, and Facebook uh, tags of our of our piece kind of spread like wildfire. And then finally, I mean, there is a similarity between the, the Bolsonaro supporters and. Uh, Trump supporters and that there's, you know, a, a kind of core group of um, very passionate and, um, you know, sometimes kind of violent um, on the Internet uh, characters who yeah. um, interpret any kind of a criticism as, you know, a direct attack.
0: Yeah. In my reading of the press when I was there was that there is still, they're still a little bit cautious and... Um, in terms of what they're willing to say and how they're willing to describe Bolsonaro. And I, and I was actually talking to um, an editor at Folia, which is the, one of the big dailies in Sao Paulo. And I was, I was, t- I was, I was sort of p- probing them a little bit and saying, like, you know, you guys seem to be holding back a little bit. He didn't really agree with that. But then he said, you know, look, here's something you don't understand. Like, not terribly long ago, we had government soldiers in this building arresting people. Um, arresting journalists um, because there is a history of sort of military dictatorship in Brazil right. that I right. think colors some of this stuff. And it, it's, it's, it's a good reminder for those of us looking in from the outside that there is a different sort of mindset in terms of how you deal with stuff like this and how the press deals with a candidate like this, especially somebody like Bolsonaro, who has been quite cozy with with the military um, during the campaign, Right.
1: Absolutely, and I think I mean I think there's kind of a couple different things that that you know that that editor's comments might might be sort of touching on. I mean, one of them is that uh, you know press freedom is is a relatively recent thing here. Mm-hmm. Um, that their kind of new constitution was signed in 1988, uh, so that's sort of when officially um, you know the press got that right. Um, although you know certain newspapers were you know, very um, courageous during the dictatorship. And I mean, I guess the other thing is that um, this attempt to be balanced the same way, uh, the same way, you know, that is true in the U.S. uh, comes from, you know, uh, something that we all learned when we were taking journalism classes or, or kind of reporting for the first time, which is to to try to sort of be objective and fair and and see both sides and i think that that you know that's something that um you know that the brazilian journalism you know modeled after american journalism and it, it's kind of hard to um you know to unlearn that or to um to realize you're in a situation in which that uh standard has to be kind of re-examined because of um, you know, the characters of the people who you're writing
0: about. Yeah. And I also I mean, I think that people just feel it's a risk. Um, so so how much has, uh, you know, Trump made the his hatred or whatever, whatever the word you want to use. I don't know if hatred is the right word of the press, a kind of central part, both of his campaign and then of his administration. And has and continued to this day, like the, the press is his, his attacks on the press is one of the central organizing principles of his of his presidency um how much uh bolsonaro doesn't seem to have gone that far at least so far how would you characterize his rhetoric towards the the media so far
1: you know knocking on the press has not been a fundamental element of his campaign the way it was for trump um you know that said his his kind of followers on on twitter especially um are, are quite hostile toward the mainstream media. Um, after the the first round of the election, there was you know some kind of rallies that reporters went to, and they were um, you know kind of physically threatened and harassed by Bolsonaro supporters. So you do have kind of some of that. Um, and when Bolsonaro sort of has been um, portrayed negatively in the press, he'll you know he'll say kind of fake news or, or use this sort of Trumpian rhetoric. Um, but I think I mean I think fundamentally one of the reasons why he um, he hasn't made uh, criticizing the press uh, kind of a big platform for himself is that he hasn't needed to mm-hmm. um, the press has at least here in Brazil um, been almost more critical of of his rival uh, Fernando haddad of the Workers Party mm-hmm. uh, which you know continues to boggle me
0: mm. yeah I mean going back to um, you know the Economist editorial, which was which was worried about the survival of the demo- the democracy. Um, are you worried? What what is your level of worry in terms of at least, especially about how how it may be how it may be to be a reporter in that country if Bolsonaro is elected?
1: You know, that's been worrisome. In in just the past couple weeks, is um, seeing how. You know these these attacks are starting to increase on, on on journalists and and I'm taking sort of myself out here because while um, people can get pretty nasty on um, on social media, you know so far it's been kind of Brazilian journalists who have gotten the bulk of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm talking about you know one journalist was um, you know had a knife held up against her uh, and another one had. Um, you know, a false her picture and and a false accusation sort of spread throughout the the WhatsApp world, mm-hmm. um, and and so I think I mean I think we're all kind of um, trying to figure out ways that we can support each other in in the coming months and um, continue to be you know as as vigilant and critical as the profession requires, um, but also you know understand that even though this is a country that has really um, developed a, a thriving, open, um, and democratic press culture that, uh, you know, that that, that, that doesn't mean we, we don't have to be careful.
0: Yeah. Sarah, thanks a lot. Um, before I let you go, I should note that before Sarah started working for The Economist, she wrote a terrific piece for CJR in November of 2016 about uh, the investigative journalist at El Faro in El Salvador. And now you're working on a book about some of that, as well as doing your other work here. Um Thanks for coming on.
1: Thanks, Kyle. It's, it's been good talking to you.
0: Thank you. So we'll find out on October 28th what happens in Brazil. That's it for now for The Kicker. Thanks for um, thanks for listening. Between now and next week, go to CGR.org to see what's going on in the media world, and we'll talk next week.